So look with me at Psalm 38. O Lord, do not rebuke me in your wrath, nor chasten me in your hot displeasure. For your arrows pierce me deeply, and your hand presses me down. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your anger, nor any health in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. My wounds are foul and festering because of my foolishness. I am troubled. I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day long. For my loins are filled with inflammation and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and severely broken. I groan because of the turmoil of my heart. Lord, all my desire is before you. And my sighing is not hidden from you. My heart pants and my strength fails me. As for the light of my eyes, it has also gone away from me. My loved ones and my friends stand aloof from my plague and my relatives stand afar off. Those who seek my life, those, those who also seek my life lay, snare, lay snares for me. Those who seek my hurt speak of destruction and plan deception all the day long. But I, like a deaf man, do not hear. I am like a mute who does not open his mouth. Thus, I am like a man who does not hear and in whose mouth there is no response. For in you, O Lord, I hope, you will hear, O Lord, my God, for I, have, I said, hear me, lest they rejoice over me, lest when my foot slips, they exalt themselves against me. For I am ready to fall, and my sorrow is continually before me. For I will declare my iniquities, and I will be in anguish over my sin. And my enemies are vigorous, they are strong, and those who hate me wrongfully have multiplied. Those who, are, who render evil for good because they are adversaries, because I follow what is good. Do not forsake me, O Lord. O my God, be not far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation. We find David in a tough situation. And it's an interesting passage because it's not just one-sided. There is iniquity, there is fault, there is blame on David's head. And there is punishment, there is chastening, there is discipline from God and there is also adversaries. There are also adversaries who are trying to attack David physically, emotionally, to destroy who he is. And we find David in the first several verses, the first eight verses, just talking about the burden that he has. The first two verses says, O Lord, do not rebuke me in your wrath, nor chasten me in your hot displeasure, for your arrows pierce me deeply and your arrows press down against me. So he's, he's open and honest at the beginning here. He's talking to the Lord. Do not rebuke me with your wrath, and do not chasten me in your hot displeasure. Notice here he's not saying that he's innocent. He's not saying that he's free of any guilt. He's saying, God, I deserve this. This is what I should have. But God, give me mercy. God, see the mercy this is a penitential song. There's one of seven penitential songs, and it's a psalm of, of remembrance. It's a psalm of, of, of deep repentance. And David is calling out to God to remember him, to be merciful towards him. Perhaps the most well-known of, of this series of psalms is Psalm 51, when David's crying out to God. And in Psalm 51, the first four verses... 
says this, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. And you have made me, and you, you, that I may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. David is honest with who he is before God. He's honest before a holy and righteous judge who he knows has the power to condemn him. The power to, to look at his sin and not extend that mercy. But he says, God, remember me. Don't rebuke me with your wrath. Don't chasten me with your hot displeasure. And then he gives a very graphic illustration here of, of arrows piercing him deeply. Of an arrow in his chest piercing him. And the hands, that the pressure of the, of the chastening hand of God. In the very real sense that, that David feels the pressure of his sin. And when God looks at sin, we know that he has to punish it. There has to be consequences for, just, for such a horrible crime to sin against the God of the world, the God of the universe, the God of perfection, righteousness, and love. And this God has to punish sin. And, and David finds himself here in, in a hard place because he knows who God is, but he also knows what he's done and he knows that the reality of the world around him, and he's seeing his sin, and he blames his sin as the cause of these issues. Verses 3 through 5 say this, There is no soundness in my flesh because of your anger, nor any health in my bones because of my sin, for my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. My wounds are foul and festering because of my foolishness. He says that it's because of his sin. He says it's because of his foolishness. And when it says in verse 4 that his iniquities have gone over his head, think of a man that's been overtaken by the sea. He's drowning. Maybe picture Jonah in your mind and he's, he's seeing the water overtake him. It's the, the pressure of the water overtaking him and he feels trapped by that sin. Trapped by the guilt of that sin. And he's realizing here that he's sinned against the God who saved him, the God who gave him purpose, the God who made him a man after his own heart, the God who loves him and has been patient and merciful to him. And this is the God that he feels this pressure from, this, 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 this great pressure to, to repent, to come clean, to be reconciled back. And he continues in verses 6 through 8, I am troubled I am bad down greatly. I go mourning all the day long, for my loins are filled with inflammation, and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and severely broken. I groan because of the turmoil of my heart. He's physically broken. This man is, is physically in torment. He's, he's, he's physically uh, repulsed by, by everything that life has to offer, and, and he is reacting to stimulus. He's reacting to pain. He's reacting to other people attacking him. And David here is, is in a physical place where, where he he's needs help all the time. He needs help. He's, he feels insufficient on his own. And he's humbled to the place where he's looking back to God and he's saying, God, I've sinned. God, help me. God, do not rebuke me with your wrath. Do not chasten me with your hot displeasure. 
Verse 9, we continue, Lord, all my desire is before you, and my sighing is not hidden from you. It's interesting that we turn here next. It's interesting that, that the first eight verses are him laying out what he's going through. In, the verse, in verse 9, we transition to him focusing back on God again and saying, God, after all this, my desire is before you. I desire to be close to you. I desire to know you. And he acknowledges that this, this, this fundamental fact that changes the situation that God sees him. God sees you. God sees me. And when you and I are going through difficult times, when you and I are, are suffering, whether it be because of our sin or whether it just be because we live in a sin-cursed world, we know that God sees us. And no matter if it is from sin or just from a sin-cursed world, we understand that this punishment, this suffering, this, this illness, this traumatic experience, the suffering of various kinds that James points out to us in chapter 1 ought to point us back to God. The suffering that we experience ought to, ought to point us back to God. Why? Because he's the only one who understands. He's the only one who knows. The only one, he's the only one with the power to help. He's the only one with the, the love and the kindness that we need. He's the only one who can help. He is the one in control. He is the one who is all loving and all kind and pure. He is our God. He is. Verse 10, my heart pants, my strength fails me. As for the light of my eyes, it has gone out from me. David is, is, is struggling physically and emotionally here. He's just drained. And the light of his eyes has gone out. He's, he's lost that, that spark and that vigor in life. And he sees that, man, God, I'm looking to you because I don't see anything in myself. Verse 11, my loved ones and my friends stand aloof from my plague, and my relatives stand afar off. This would be hard. This would be difficult. David is experiencing great trauma, and the ones who he cares about the most are standing aloof. They're distancing themselves. They're, they're, they're trying to avoid being a part of David's life while he's going through this. They're standing afar off. It's interesting that we'll compare this later, but he, his friends are afar off. His family is afar off. They're distancing themselves. And they don't want to be around him, but God is there. And God is close. And God is present. Verse 12, those also who seek my life lay snares for me. And those who seek my hurt speak of destruction and plan de deception all the day long. Another contrast here is that his friends are far away, his family is far away, but those who plan deception against me, those who hate me, those who seek to destroy my life, they're so close. They're so near. And he feels trapped in this experience. And his response in verse 13 and 14, as he, he thinks through what he's experiencing and as his feelings, his emotions, his practical daily life, he says, but I like a deaf man, do not hear. And I am like a mute who does not open his mouth. Thus I am like a man who does not hear, and those whose mouth is no response. 
And these verses kind of surprised me when I read them at first. I was like, he doesn't hear, he doesn't respond, what's going on here? And these people are coming after him, his family is far off, and he's suffering physically, emotionally. And verse 15 and 16 make this verse perfectly clear, where it says, For in you, O Lord, I hope. You will hear, O Lord, my God. For I said, Hear me, lest they rejoice over me, lest when my foot slips, they exalt themselves against me. See, David's trying to interpret what's going on. He looks at himself, he can't understand exactly what's going on but when he looks to God he lets God interpret this he lets God look at his situation he he looks to God for comfort he says God I don't know what's going on I don't get it I don't respond for in you O Lord I hope he's placing his hope in the right place he's placing his confidence and his trust in the creator of the world the sovereign one who loves him. And he, in verse 16, he gives us a reason. He says, For I said, Hear me, lest they rejoice over me, lest when my foot slips they exalt themselves against me. This cry to God, Hear me, because my enemies are at the door. They're coming for me. Hear me, lest they exalt over me. He's calling to God as a personal friend, as the one who, who has been his salvation the one who continues to be his salvation. And he knows that God is strong enough, God is powerful enough, God is is able to rescue him. And verse 17 follows that, For I am ready to fall, and my sorrow is continually before me. For I will declare my iniquity. I will be in anguish over my sin. But But my enemies are vigorous, and they are strong, and those who hate me wrongfully have multiplied and those who render evil to evil for good because they're at my, because because they are my adversaries because I follow what is good. And David's being very open and honest here again. He says, "I'm ready to fall." He says, "I can't do it. I physically cannot stop what's going to happen." And then he turns to God and he says, "I will declare my iniquity. I will be in anguish over my sin." He's repenting of his sin. He's seeing his sin the way God sees his sin, as, as, as an iniquity, as evil. As pure evil against a holy and righteous God. And as, as if that is not enough, he also sees his enemies in verse 19. My enemies are vigorous. They're strong. The exact opposite of who I am right now. I'm weak. I need God. My enemies seem so strong and so powerful and so ready to attack. From his perspective, it seems like from a worldly perspective that I have no hope. But he has God. And he has the almighty creator of the universe who cares for him, who has established a relationship with him and with Israel, and who who wants to continually be good to David. And those, even though those who seek evil against him have multiplied, God is still greater, and God is still good enough, and God is still strong enough, and God is still the God Verse 20, those also who render evil for good, they are my adversaries because I follow 
what is good. These people who are against good, they are evil. They are against me because I seek after God. They're against me because of my association with God. And that brings us to a place where David is just, he's, he's, he's full and he's crying out to God. And he says, do not forsake me, O Lord. Oh my God, be not far from me. Don't forsake me, God. Oh Lord, my God. It's very personal to him. It's real. Be not far from me. He wants to feel the presence of God. He wants God to make himself known in his life and to, to remove these physical threats for sure, but also to, to help him just by, by feeling his presence closer to him. Not necessarily delivering him from every single physical threat by every single physical uh, ailment that he has, but to, to be close to him. And David wants to know that God is near. David wants to feel that God is near. And I think that you and I can feel this way when we wander away. When you and I allow ourselves to become distracted and off track from our walk with God, we can feel as if God is not close to us. But in reality, God has always been present and God always will be present And David here in this passage is calling out for God not to be far from him. He wants to feel God close to him. This does not promise that everything in life will go David's way. This means that he will go through life with God. This means that David will trust in God no matter what. In verse 22, I love how how he's speaking very practically. Make haste to help me. Because God is strong enough to help him. God is strong enough to help you. Call to God, cry to God for help. Oh Lord, my salvation, my deliverance. Tonight this God that we've seen in Psalm 38 is our God too. We've seen that the one who David went to, who who David trusted, who David desired, who David cried out to, the same God that we cry out to today. same God that we care, we, we care to come together as a body of believers to pray, to talk to God. And today, I hope that we remember that our God is strong enough. Our God is pure. Our God is righteous. Our God is still the same God that David cried to and got deliverance from. 